Hi, everyone. Welcome to Refine and Grow with Justin and Lindsay. My name is Lindsay Allen. And my name is Justin Euler, and this is your podcast for proven strategies on navigating and managing work life. So in today's episode, we are going to continue speaking from that perspective of being a contractor or vendor working for a client firm. Justin and I have a deep background in management consulting. So one of the difficult relationships we've run into time and time again is serving as a vendor to a client company, working with other vendors. So as a management consultant, I had my employer and then I was staffed on projects with other customer accounts and I had an individual client. And that client had put out what we call an RFP request for proposal for work for a management consultant or contractor to come in. And, you know, there are other contractors who actually help with running the programs, the day-to-day, but the projects that have a start and end date is primarily where management consultants focus. And so I would come in and I would report to this client day-to-day, but the client in a lot of cases had put out other RFPs, requests for proposal, meaning I have this book of work I want to do. I'm putting a request out there to management consultants that I've worked with in the past. I want them to send me their proposal for how they would do the work and then I will choose which vendor I want. And so potentially my company won one contract for a specific scope of work, but another vendor had won a contract for a different scope of work. And oftentimes me as a vendor working for company ABC would bump up against a vendor who's employed by a company from XYZ. And what can be really difficult about that is that you may have dependencies or information that needs to be shared. And there's really no one but the client who oversees both of you. And that means that client has to serve as an escalation point if you're having difficulty with that vendor. But of course, you in your role as a contractor and thinking about your client as a customer and wanting to provide them with the best service possible, don't want to bring relationship issues with other vendors to them because that's just an additional problem or issue that they don't need. And they've brought you on to help solve problems, not bring new ones. I've worked with some really difficult vendors who, similar to the last episode, when I was talking about different types of difficult clients, I would say there are a few buckets of categories of difficult vendor relationships that I've had to deal with. And one is that the vendor is not really completing their portion of the work on time or at a quality level and you are dependent upon them. So then your work is suffering. If you're working with a peer from your consulting firm, then you would have a manager in your consulting firm that you could go to about that peer. But when it's somebody who works for a different employer altogether, it gets a lot more complicated. And you go, as I was saying before, okay, how do I escalate this? How do I bring this up? Another category is what vendors and contractors will call the land grab, which is, as I was saying before, the client has put out a request for a proposal and your vendor company, company ABC, has won that proposal, but a different vendor company, XYZ, won a different proposal. And of course, because you are a management consultant, your company makes its profits off of the services that you offer. And the more work you win, the more profitable. And often consultants get incentives, bonuses, and are measured on performance for their ability to grow the footprint of the account at the customer site. So if you can win additional work, 
that's a great thing for your reputation internal to your vendor company. So when I say land grab, it's folks trying to take the book of work that you own. And that can be very difficult to navigate as well. In the scenario of the land grab, it's typically within that land grab framework where a vendor company is trying to take more work. And of course, they already have their assigned work. So they're looking at work that's available or being provided by other vendors that they could wrap up into their service portfolio. But in some cases, you might encounter vendors who sometimes as a way to get that account or in other cases, as a way to cover up their own mistakes, they may blame you to a client. So I've had all of those different experiences, and I want to kind of walk through some tips and tricks for each. So in the scenario where a vendor is not necessarily blaming you, but maybe just not getting to their stuff on time, and you're dependent upon their work, you don't have necessarily an escalation path internally to go to. You have to go down an external path. The first approach is always with the individual who you're having the difficulty with, and that is setting up time with them and explaining what your dependencies are on them and when you need certain things by One of my favorite quotes comes from the seven habits of highly effective leaders, and that is seek to understand. So you've got to understand their role and responsibilities because you don't necessarily know what's going on and what's taking so long. In the scenarios where I did that, I sat down with the person, I learned about their role so I could better set my expectations of timing and quality when the handoff occurred. In some cases, I learned that it was just my expectation that needed to adjust. And maybe the client had misinformed me because they thought this vendor over here should be able to get you everything you need within a month. And really, when you go at the very detailed level, it takes two or three months. And so that needed to be reset with the client, the the timeline of my work, because the timeline of the step that was being done first was not clarified And that's how we approached resolving it. But in other cases, I would find that it was just their skill set or their motivation to get things done. And in that case, what I did was I used one of the pieces of advice I've had from mentors in the past, which is talk about the work, not the people. So I made sure that I started to talk about it in terms of action items and risks and sharing that with the client in my direct meetings. These are the three or four action items you've asked me to take. I'm not able to get to them at this moment because I haven't received X, Y, and Z. And those action items are owned by these teams not even necessarily the individual, these teams. And so our work is at risk until that handoff occurs. And then let the client talk to them about making sure they get the work done and come back to me and let me know when it will be available. I made sure if I had to have the conversation directly with the client, I never said anything judgmental about the individual themselves or the quality of work they were doing or made any assumptions about the reasoning. I just said, these are the action items. They're late. That puts us at risk. These are my recommended mitigations. How do you want to handle that? And that typically would help me move through it. And actually, in all cases, that helped me move through issues with being dependent on a vendor and holding them accountable so that I can do my work. 
where it does get a little bit trickier is in the land grab scenarios. And I think in those scenarios, really what I've tried to do is just focus on my relationship with the client and making sure that I'm delivering well for them because I have found that those consultants who are focused on the land grab and growing their footprint the types of clients that I want to work for and enjoy working for can see through that a lot of times. And Justin, I know you've experienced this land grab as well. What are your thoughts on approaching that type of vendor relationship where they're very interested in taking on your scope of work and maybe long-term being the new owner of that scope of work? Yeah, it's really tough. And it's hard not to take it personally. Yeah. If you have kind of pride and ownership, it's really hard not to take it personally. I find I really, in those situations, I have to kind of first manage myself before I can even manage the situation. The best thing you can do is worry less about the vendor, the third-party firm trying to make the land grab. Those folks tend to reveal themselves. They don't do well in daylight <laughs> when, mm-hmm. when exposed to daylight. Their true colors, if not immediately in the long term, tend to get revealed. The client sees exactly what they have. So I try not to engage with those cats on their level. And so I think your advice, one, manage yourself and your own response, and your own thoughts and feelings so that you don't escalate the situation. But then I would say secondarily, if that's a temptation for you, and it is for me. And then I would say secondarily, really focus on the work and what's good for the customer. There are those land grabbers who will play dirty. Sometimes they'll actually try to paint you in a bad picture or frame a situation in such a way as to ascribe blame. And that's where I find just stick to the facts. If you've been maintaining your risk and issue log, you've been maintaining your project plan, you've been documenting everything in communications with your customer through email, you know, you have a meeting, you document it, you keep notes, you send those notes to the customer, you summarize the key points, give the opportunity for the client or the customer to provide feedback to what you've documented. If you do that, if there's traceability and documentation, you're usually in a pretty good spot. When you have a lack of discipline and you get lazy, and we all do, you can get into trouble. And then those kind of smarmy third-party firms that like to come in and steal work are in a better position to do so. So manage yourself manage your project well, manage your client relationship well, nine times out of 10, the land grabbers are going to be exposed. Not always, but most of the time. Yeah. And you taught me that early on in my career, Justin, because you were my first manager, the importance of documentation, because it is not something I want to do. Like I have enough to do. I don't want to be sending the meeting notes and updating the action item tracker and the risk register and making sure that the client has visibility and that my objectives are clear and the agenda is following, but you have to do it. And sometimes you have all of this documentation for meetings and agreement to approaches to deliverables and next steps and all of that. And you don't need it because everybody just follows suit as the conversation went. But it's really to protect yourself for these types of scenarios. You need to be able to have the documentation to point to it. Should anybody have a question about why you're doing things the way you are, or when things will be complete, or how we got to the place that we're at today. You need to have that documentation. And you touched on it, Justin, sometimes those land grabbers will even try to find fault in what you've done as a reason for them to receive that contract. And that was sort of that third bucket that I was talking about, because it could be through the land grab Or in the first example I was giving when I was saying I've worked with vendors who weren't super motivated to do their role and weren't delivering at the level of quality or at the timeline that was indicated to me by the client that they would be delivering. They can also try to use you as a scapegoat or blame you because you're a different 
vendor company. And just what you said, Justin, it's having the documentation, it's building the rapport. It's really just staying focused on the work, not the people and making sure that as long as your client sees the great work that you can do, they see that you're focused on facts and rationally making the decisions versus coming from that emotional state or from a place that's maybe not the best intention. If they're the type of client that you want to work with, they'll see all of that and the actions of those vendors will speak for themselves. It is difficult to navigate when it's happening because of course, it's not just you realize it and then the next day the client does. There's a time lapse and you have to work through that timing and allow the client to go on their own journey to see what that vendor is doing. But at some point it gets seen. And even if the outcome is that the vendor who's going for the land grab or who has been not painting you in an accurate light and not a good light to the client wins that work overall, long-term To me, it's clear that that client will have a bad experience with that contractor or experience the same thing over and over again and start to wonder why this one vendor is the only one who can deliver. And so it's getting out of the way and allowing people to go on their own journey to learn about those vendors who may be a little bit more vindictive in realizing that if you roll off of the work, if that's the end result, then that works too, because you learned from the experience and now you get to go to another client where that's probably not going to be the case and you can have a better experience over there. That's all for today. Don't forget to head out to our website to access additional resources such as case studies, tips and tricks worksheets, trainings, articles, subscribe to our podcast and newsletter, and more. And tune in next week for an all new episode. Thanks for listening.